0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Welcome to Intercepted. This is our podcast for Acme Packing Company. That takes you behind enemy lines. We're going to be talking to Seth Galena of Pro Football Focus. He is a uh, noted or like maybe embarrassed uh, Saints fan. (laughs) Seth, say what's up to the people. What's up, guys? How you guys doing? So you said, I talked to you last week. You said one of the most offensive things that maybe I've ever heard in my life. You said that if New Orleans got past Tampa Bay in the playoffs that they would have beaten Green Bay in the (laughs) the NFC Championship game. Like, we did not already see that matchup, and Mercedes Lewis didn't already put a New Orleans Saint on a poster. What is the logic there? Because we didn't dive deep enough into that. No, there's literally no logic there. That's just Just my fandom
2: fandom brain coming to the forefront there. I guess the idea is, like, you know, if they would have – if the Saints would have actually been a good team last year, it was – would have been because Breeze's arm didn't fall off, and if Breeze's arm is
1: normal, then yeah, they could go anywhere. The Breeze's arm always falls off. Like you can, that's the problem. It, it, it comes. It's like it was like uh, Thanksgiving. You could plan on it every year. It's like late November. He no longer can throw the football. It's been the case since like 2018. I just I don't want to.
2: I didn't want to believe that, and I still don't want to believe it. <laughs> like I just I want to chalk up the playoff disappointments in New Orleans. You know from 2017 to 2020 on like randomness. Cause that makes me feel better than Breeze's arm just, just falling off. Cause it's like, then you could have just like, you know, eventually just made the decision, especially in 2020. Um, when the arm wasn't there from week one, basically, and just say like, okay, well let's, let's do the Taysom Jameis thing as we get on. But I know that was never going to happen, but it's like that would have been the way to go. Um, but instead, I'm just going to assume that it's all just random luck. Minneapolis miracle, pass interference, overtime against Minnesota in, in uh, 2019, Jared Cook dropping the ball in 2020 against Tampa. Like, I'm just going to say that it's all random luck, and the Saints are actually the best team in football over the past four years.
1: That's disgusting. So not, not embarrassed, just embarrassingly hopeful. Is <laughs> the way to but do it's it. run out though, as you'll hear as we talk about it, my hope is
2: completely vanished. I'm not so peace. So yeah, let's talk Saints about it. So okay, yeah. Drew
1: Brees, who you just talked about, is no longer the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. I don't know if people know that. Uh what where is he broadcasting? Yet? He's broadcasting, right? Or he's I think he's doing Notre show. Dame games. Notre Dame Or he might or be just NBC. part of the
2: NBC Sunday night. I saw this, there was a picture of the NBC guys and he was part of is it is he gonna take uh, your boss's job? Uh who knows? Um, that would be nice. I'm gonna send with that to my, Chris, with my pal Drew Brees.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna clip this and send it to Chris. and Be like, look,
2: look what <laughs> like, Seth is saying about you, bud. He said I, he you said your like, time is that long. You have to send it to Cincinnati on like a on like a
1: mixed CD oh, in like a bad <laughs> they do have packaging. email there. There's it's still hard disk physical copies. <laughs> yeah, well, it's Cincinnati, so I'm, well, that explains a lot of pro football focus is trying, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so okay, expectations this year. Jameis Winston is now the quarterback. What what is going on in New Orleans?
2: Well, I, you know, I think I'm I'm excited to a certain degree. Like, okay, so the first thing is like I have no expectations in terms of of uh, winning a lot of games and going back to the playoffs. I'm kind of at peace with it. Like there it's a rebuild. It's a weird rebuild because of the salary cap issues, but it's a re- kind of a rebuild nonetheless. Um, especially in the depth portions of the of the roster, so I'm like kind of at peace with it. We had 15 years of unbelievable quarterback play, um, a Super Bowl, all the playoff games, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm kind of at peace, but I am excited for a new offense. Uh, you know, it's been a long time since Breeze had a real live arm. Now he was a great quarterback, you know, at the end. Um, again, besides 2020, but. You know, it's since, you know, 2011, 2012, whatever, when he could really fire the ball in. And now you're going to Jameis Winston, who obviously has a, a an elite arm strength. You know, he's an elite arm guy. So the offense is going to be different and it's going to be, I guess, more exciting. It'll be less efficient. There's going to be a lot more interceptions. There's going to be a lot more bad interceptions. But at least there's going to be some big plays down the field. And I think that's probably what I'm the most excited about. Just like a change. Like, like don't get me wrong. If, if, if Drew Brees, like, t- let's say 2019 Drew Brees was still available, then yeah, I'd still want to go with Brees, obviously. But, you know, that ship sailed. And I'm kind of excited to just get to see what a completely different quarterback. Again, even when Brees was, you know, younger and had more arm strength, it's not like he was ever James Winston. So yeah, I'm like super excited. I think you're gonna get more of this downfield, um downfield play action, uh, you know, less quick game, less like, you know, super efficient slants and outs and stuff like that. Not that they won't call them, but I think that's what I'm really excited for. It's just a completely different offense than than the past like five, six years.
1: All right. I already have a couple thoughts on what you just said. I wanna start with, is it actually a rebuild? Cause they just traded a third round pick for Bradley Roby. Well, okay, yeah. As I was gonna say, it's like a weird rebuild, but at least I have to
2: like. I think the thing that scares me the most is they keep doing making these 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 moves. You know, they resign Quan Alexander. They go trade for Bradley Roby. They obviously feel pretty good. My biggest concern is there's like literally no depth, and it's like all of a sudden you're 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 trading. You're still trading away draft picks. You're still. um You're not getting any younger, and what if this team is just not good? And there's a very big chance that this team is not good, and not like not like you know eight and nine, nine and eight. Like it could be like a five win team. So it's like like I know they
1: don't think it's a rebuild, but it feels like it should be a rebuild um, to a certain degree. Now the and and it's been something that's been coming for a long time too. You know, like. They've been pushing the cap hits for Drew Brees down the line to the point where everyone knew the year after Drew Brees leaves, they're still going to have to account for them on the cap. So I think everyone thought that it was going to be like a planned, strip down rebuild situation, right? And that's not really what we're seeing. I mean... Even on the defensive line, right? I mean, Cameron Jordan's still there. They have Marcus Davenport, and then they added Peyton Turner in the first round. Like, I don't know if they think this is like a rebuild because they're still bringing in guys that uh, in the future will replace guys who have cap, big cap hits right now, which would make more sense in a rebuild if you then traded Cameron Jordan to a different team, you know? But that that's not what's happening. The same thing. They took Pete Warner in the second. Um, he's going to be backing up uh Demario Davis and Quan Alexander in nickel and then uh the third round cornerback that you guys drafted is what buried in the depth chart now behind Bradley Rovi so it's like all these things are like way down the line things it's not like you're getting young players reps that you're going to like invest in and then again they'll be proven right if Jameis is fine I remember Jameis is not
2: okay like Jameis is not asking uh, taking a lot of money the other quarterback is a Unfortunately, but uh, they're a quarterback slash tight end. Quarter- yeah, quarterback. Is, unfortunately, so it's like, yeah, if if it works out and James is really good and they win eleven games and they go to playoffs, then yeah, it's all good. We made the right decisions. We, you know, we, you know, we we we, we 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 kind of mortgage the future again. But you kind of knew you were going to go to the playoffs with Breeze there. We just don't know. Like a lot, of, you know, there's there's high. This is a very high variance team because if James is just not good. Then they win five games, they win six games. And then, then what are you doing? Then the team is, then you're like, okay, well, the team is not good. And now you have, you just paid Marcus Williams, you know, you got Marshawn Lattimore, you got Cameron Jordan, you have the two tackles. It's like, that's a lot of money still without any depth. And like you said, you're hoping that, you know, the corner, Paulson, Debo is like good, but who knows? Third round pick, you know, uh, you said the Werner, the linebacker. It's like, oh, maybe. We don't even know if Cesar Ruiz is good um so it's like we just don't know where the saints are and if it goes off the rails this season then you're completely messed up going forward because then you have way too much money for people that aren't producing wins and i think a lot of people in in saints land are thinking that the defense is going to be very good this year and it's like it can be because as we mentioned there are some pretty good talent there you're talking about davenport and 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 Jordan on the outside at the edge, you're talking about Marshawn Lattimore, who's like up and down, but there's there's high-level high play in there. Marcus Williams, high-level play and all that stuff. But it's like, it just could, this very easily could just not be good. You know, we know how defense works. Like, it's not always going to be great year after year. And it's been pretty good for the past, you know, three years. And if it's not good just because of, like, natural regression, then what are we doing here? Then, then the rebuild has to start. Except, you know, like we're too it's, we're 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 tied up with a lot of money, and it's gonna be tough if the team isn't good. Again, if everything works out and Jameis is the elite quarterback, and they will go to the playoffs, and yeah, we're Mickey Loomis is the smartest person in the world,
1: but like, I just don't know if that's gonna happen. So when I look at the Saints defense, the two things that stand out for me in terms of like things the Packers want to attack, right? It's cornerback outside of uh, opposite of Marshawn Lattimore, right? And then it's that interior defensive line because you guys aren't getting the production that you used to be able to get, even with guys like uh, David Onyemata, right? Like just sneaky ways to get like quality interior interior play. Those guys are gone now. I- am I wrong for thinking that? Well, yeah,
2: and especially because Brad the Robe is not going
1: to play. Like they just right, right. Brad He's not going to be. He's not going to
2: play. So then, I I don't even know if it's going to be Paulson and Debo on the outside or, or somebody else. And Ken yeah, Crawley even, looks yummy. Oh my god, dude, he looks yummy. Do you, I don't think you understand <laughs> what how Saints fans feel about Ken Crawley, who like every once in a while looks. looks we have Kevin right. King.
1: We have Kevin King. <laughs> we know right. exactly.
2: We That's know right. exactly how you feel about Ken Crawley. Um, so yeah, a hundred percent. Like um, this is a problem on the outside, and I think also like. Um, I, I'm I'm very torn about Marshawn Lattimore. It was great year one, and it's just been okay since then. And there's obviously some. He's he's a super athlete, so it's like, yeah, you're gonna have a good play out of him. But I'm not like super sold. And you talk about David Onyemata. Well, he's not playing either. Hmm. Like they're they're rough in the middle. Um, you know, obviously you do have players like Cameron Jordan, who's just an elite run defender um, and a pass rusher. So like maybe he can. I don't know. He's not, I'm not saying he's going to slide inside. Like, that's not what he
1: does. But like, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think know. they're going to do that with him consistently.
2: Yeah. So it's like, well, what's left on the middle? And David Arnie is a good player. I'm like, really, I'm mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite, like, out of nowhere stories. But, like, they just, if he's not playing, then who's left? Like, I don't even, does Shy Tuttle still play for the Saints? Like, I don't even know who the hell is left on this, on this team. And it's like, wow. Yeah, he does play for the Saints. Like, again, he's like, he's like a solid player and he can have his flashes, but it's like, yeah, I, I agree. The inside and um, outside, inside defensive line, outside at cornerback is, is interesting uh, for the Saints. And even like, man, look, I'm not, Damara Davis, top linebacker, Quan mm-hmm. was okay last year and they've cut him. Like, let's not forget they cut him and they re-signed him like two weeks ago. Not that definitely was probably a money thing, partly, but it's not like they cut him and then re-signed him a day later. It took him like three, four months to re-sign him. So like,
1: right, and even then, if if it is a money thing, it's still a money thing, you know, <laughs> where it's like, yeah, yeah, your value to the team was not what we signed up for. That that is it, still in in, in a, uh, a reflection of like who he is as a player. to a certain Yeah, extent. and it's like
2: they they've been looking for someone to play next to Demario Davis for. A long time, uh, and they just haven't been able to find the guy. And I, they, I think they just like the type of um, attributes that Quan brings. You know, he's fast and whatever, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure he's just he's, he makes himself right enough as a linebacker, like getting in the right spots. I don't think he does that enough. So that is my biggest concern. Um, you know, I, I do like Dennis Allen's defense and what he does. It's very interesting, but is it just Better when you have better players, probably. Like like anyone else, it's just better when you have better players. And they're short in a lot of positions. And if anyone goes down, the linebacker goes down. If a safety goes down. If, if Chauncey in the slot goes down, then I
1: then I don't I have no clue who else is left on the roster. Two things, real quick, before we get to the offense. I am shocked that you like David Onyemata, who went to a Canadian University school. of Manitoba. Baby. <laughs> yeah, of course,
2: what, of course, the you Canadian need loser. to watch. They, like YouTube, like David Anyama, Manitoba, you know highlights, whatever. It's it's not real. It's it's like fake. Just does, destroying... does Canadian college ball
1: play a yard off the line of scrimmage yeah, with their a defensive yard off too?
2: Yeah. So it's like a yard off the ball, and he's still absolutely killing anyone, any guard in front of him. It's really it's a
1: great highlight tape. I remember I watched the Akeem Hicks uh, mm. film back in the day when he was out there in Canada, and it was like absurd. So yeah, yeah. Can- Canada. Not really producing offensive linemen like that. But you got (laughs) Tardif, right? Yeah, he went to
2: McGillies from here. He's from Montreal. And um, there's a guy who made the Seahawks.
1: or He he got some preseason reps this year for the Seahawks from Montreal too. I remember uh, Eric Armstead's brother, for those who don't know, um, had a heart condition at USC, which is part of the reason why Eric Armstead ended up at Oregon instead of going to USC when USC was locking down all those guys. He spent a, I think it was just a year in the CFL, and he was just smoking some of those Canadian linemen. Um, he ended up signing, like, a pretty hefty UDFA uh, contract with the Patriots, and then, you know, uh, health concerns ended up leading to him not making that roster. But he was crazy in his year in Canada.
2: Um, well, so we don't have to get into this too deep, but, like, one of the things is, like, in Canada, because of the quotas of, like, when mm-hmm. the CFL, some of the quotas are, like, how many Canadians have to be on the field and so on and so forth. You end up with a Amer- Canadian offensive lines and American defensive lines. And you
1: can imagine how that's a mismatch a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just population wise, right. There's not, yeah. it, it's hard to find those bodies and it's even harder when you have a smaller population, you know, <laughs> like yeah. just from that perspective, the other thing that I want to touch on the defense Demario Davis, he is the run stopper for that inside run game. Um, I don't know how you feel about his skill set specifically, but like when I watch him, it's almost like um, Danta Hightower y, but like he's faster. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like he'll that blitz, shows, like, he'll fit yeah. the inside run, but he's also like has a certain level of foot speed. He He's not like a will linebacker type of fast, but like for a Mike, it's definitely not below average.
2: Right, and it's funny you bring up you know Will and Mike because they can't figure out where they want to play him either. He's like good at both positions, um, just because like you know if you're a good linebacker, you're probably going to be good at both positions. But like this is always a problem with Quan there. Maybe you know Quan plays Will and he and Demario plays Mike with um, the kid out of Florida with
1: the long hair. Oh my God, I forgot his name. Um, Alex Anzalone. uh, Anzalone. Uh, I think you cover football for a living. You're a Saints fan. Goodness gracious.
2: He played like Anzaloni played Mike, and and Demario played Will. I I think he's a I think he's a Will, because he can do the type of stuff that that Wills kind of have to do in coverage sometimes. Um, you know, thinking about some of the stuff that like, uh, you know, KJ Wright will have to do in in Seattle back in the day. But so to, to you know to get back to your point, like yeah, he's he's fast, he's instinctual, and then you see it a with with how he just can cover people, you know you know, in in a in a regular down and distance, whatever. But, you know, the Saints and Dennis Allen loves to send those like, you know, 5-0, 6-0, mostly 6-0, I would say, fronts and you know, cover up all the offensive linemen, you know, everyone's in a gap type of situation on third down. But then he he rarely actually sends all six, just like straight up cover zero. And what you see, what when why he's able to like you know play around with the type of blitzes from that look is because you have DeMario Davis who is so fast and so instinctual that he can be on the line of scrimmage and then on a snap drop out and they'll you know they'll bluff a blitz and then he's going to cover someone who is in the slot on the other side or whatever. So like that that's the type of player you're getting out of DeMario Davis but again they can't figure out who to play with him and and I, and maybe you know just more ke- chemistry with Quan um will will do them good.
1: Yeah, and when you talk about so when you talk about those six zero looks because we haven't we haven't conditioned the, uh, Acme Packing Company, uh, viewership to like have terminal football brain like we do in terms of like X and O's right. Um, I want your you listeners by- to
2: understand uh, before we. I want your listeners to understand, and we don't have to get into it. The most terminal football brain on the planet is Justice Mosqueda. Okay, we don't have to get into it anymore. But like that is the ultimate that's Justice's brain is going to be studied by uh, scientists for a long time after he's gone. Okay, yeah, so 6-0 looks. um, Basically, what I mean is everyone is standing up. They do this on third down a lot, and you'll see it. I'm sure you'll see it um, on Sunday. Everybody is standing in front of basically an offensive lineman, and they're trying to show one more. like So six versus the five offensive linemen rather than – like a normal setup, which, you know, you have four defensive linemen and then the two linebackers are standing there five yards deep. And that's the, you know, your, your, your regular defense. So what the saints love to do on third down is they'll show you that they are going to come with a heavy, heavy blitz, you know, putting six guys up in the line of scrimmage. And then, like I said, Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator doesn't, or actually rarely just blitzes everybody. He'll make it look like it is. And then you'll try to, to say, okay, well these five guys are coming and you protect those against those five guys, except he's actually sending a different four guys and everyone else is dropping off into his own coverage. So that's, that's a big deal. That is a big
1: thing that, that uh, Dennis Allen loves to, uh, to do on third down. And and it changes how the quarterback has to think pre-snap, right. Which is why they do it. Um, if you want to get the running back involved in, in the passing game, right? You want to run a route. You only have five offensive linemen to handle six potential blitzers and they're all at the line of scrimmage. Right. So you have to honor it. So you either have to make the decision. Is the quarterback thinking hot here in terms of like, is he just trying to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible? Or are you going to use that running back to help in pass protection? Right. And there's pluses and minuses to either. And you can play games with that. Um, that's really the big issue with those. A lot of people call them mug fronts, if you want to look that up. Um, offensively, actually, let's t- toss it to break. We'll talk about the offense after the break.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away.
1: And we're back with Seth Galina from Pro Football Focus. I want to talk about the offense now, right? You talked about Jameis Winston. He's going to throw the ball deep. Here is the problem that I have with that. Everyone <laughs> talks about Jameis Winston and his interceptions, and a lot of people bring up, I think, a very valid point that like, a lot of those interceptions happen late in games or on long downs when it's less important to not throw interceptions, right? It's, it's not like he was throwing those picks um, first and 10 on the 20 yard line or 25 yard line now, I guess. Here's the problem I don't see the guys he can throw deep to on this roster, right? Like, is he throwing deep balls to Traquan Smith? Because Traquan Smith isn't Chris Godwin, he isn't Mike Evans, and right now they don't have Michael Thomas.
2: Uh, Traquan Smith is just probably not that good. I don't, I don't know don't say that guy. this point. He's, not that, He's guy, not that guy. He's just not <laughs> that guy. He's uh, just not that guy. So, like, yeah, I agree. And you have no Michael Thomas, which means all these type of number one receiver routes or X receiver routes, as we call them, are going to go to Marquez Calloway. So it's like, yeah, okay, if you're a fantasy player, pick up Marquez Calloway because you're getting 10 targets a game or eight targets a game or something like that. But if you're talking like trying to win a football game, that's a problem. That's a big problem. I liked a little bit from what I saw from uh, little Jordan Humphrey last year. I do like
1: Traquan Smith once in a while. Um, there was he's, a an, game... he's an NFL player. I just don't understand. Like, yeah. we're gonna throw, we're, we're gonna put Traquan Smith in a position where he can win or lose us games. Like, <laughs>
2: yeah, and he's not like. When, when have we seen him as this like take the top off a of defense type of guy? That's not really his AAC game.
1: defenders at USC
2: or UCF? Yeah, exactly. Like, that's not really – that's his game. So then, the one guy like, they have
1: on the roster who I'd be worried that can actually do that is, is Dante Harris, but he's so damn right. small that you, they just keep him as a return man.
2: Yeah, he's like the number one return man. He's a very good return man. He's yeah. great. Excellent his his
1: stats at Assumption are hilarious. He had like 20 yeah. return touchdowns at like a – I think it was a D2 school. Maybe it was D3. Uh,
2: yeah, and 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 he's returned it in the NFL too. He's, he
1: has a couple. Yeah, he's great.
2: He's Honestly, so the fun. the game changes in Tampa uh, against Tampa Bay in the playoff game if they don't get called back for like a legal block on on a return for a touchdown uh, in like this first quarter or something. Anyways, um, yeah, so it's like he is a take a top off the defense type of guy. But again, it's like, is he a, a yes? he has speed. But like there's 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 a little more, like not like it's not just not just like, oh you have speed so you're Deshaun Jackson. Oh you have speed so you're even Ted Ginn. Like I don't know if he's either of those guys. That's and and then it's like well who's left? It's a receiving core that looks infinitely better when Michael Thomas is back, but right now, you know, week one, yeah, I just don't know who can get open against man. We don't know anything. Like, can can Marcus Calhoun just get open against the, against, you know, Jair Alexander? Like, I I don't can Jordan Humphrey Humphrey get open against Kevin King? I don't know, man. That that makes me nervous. Tight end situation is better. Adam Troutman could be a very very good tight end. He's the in the second year, and then you have Taysom Hill who will play tight end. I like him a lot as a tight end. <laughs> Make sure I'm clear on that. um but then it's like again it's like you're not winning games because you you have these like you have you have like a couple good tight ends so
1: that it makes me very nervous and i think a lot of people are going to listen to this and they're going to say michael thomas isn't really a burner right i mean nfl dvs are calling him slant boy and stuff like that well the (laughs) speed guy was emmanuel sanders and they haven't really replaced him and Mm -hmm. that's not replacing Emmanuel Sanders and then also losing Michael Thomas, that's really the issue. It's, it's not one of them. It's the fact you're getting both of those things at the same time. Plus, Jared Cook. Yeah, exactly. So it's like
2: those are three like top receivers. Um, you know, Jared Cook was inconsistent, but
1: I think his top games were as good as any tight end. Yeah, he's got dropsies, in-game. but he's athletic, and he's hard to match up against. Like He can break your Dude, defense. He can change they, how you structure mid-game. 100%.
2: And they were using him on the routes that they would give um, these like underneath option routes that, that have been going to, you know, Kamara and Michael Thomas. And then before him, like, you know, Darren Sproles and stuff like that. And they were giving Jared Cook those routes. That's like high praise from Sean Payton if you're getting those routes in the Saints offense. So it's like you're losing Thomas, you're losing Emmanuel Sanders, who stepped up in a big way. I don't think he I don't know if he, he lived up to expectations per se, but I also think he would have looked better if Breeze could actually do anything in 2020. And then and then Jack Cook, who I who I really, really liked as a Saint. So you're just and you're just not replacing you're replacing him with guys who we just don't know anything about or guys that we know about and who aren't good. Shunt Smith. Chris Hogan. Yeah.
1: Like uh I don't know. Former Packer Ty Montgomery, like I don't know, and he's playing wide receiver now. And I think it's interesting. Jawan Johnson is playing tight end for you guys. He was a wide receiver at at Oregon. Um, Yeah, and he played tight end.
2: He played receiver
1: um, last year, I believe, and they must have moved him. uh, Why are you guys rostering four quarterbacks? Someone explain that to to me. Is it just because you spent uh, you spent a fourth round pick on Ian Book and you don't want to cut him? That has to be it. It's like, wait, Trevor Simeon beat out the draft pick. So I guess we're keeping the draft pick and we can't let Taysom (laughs) go because Taysom does all these other things.
2: Yeah. Like the Ian Book thing. I mean, I had to watch this guy play a lot. I don't know why I watched so much Ian Book tape. Um, And it's just like, there's no way you, you saw an NFL quarterback. And there's absolutely even less of a chance you saw a fourth round pick and here we are. He's on the roster, and he was a fourth-round pick. He's going to be I, a healthy scratch,
1: right? He yeah, has 100%. He has to be. I don't even know if, like, Trevor Simeon is a, is game day active. I, I don't know why. What, what does Trevor Simeon bring to the table that Taysom Hill doesn't? Like, this could be a two-quarterback team. I don't understand why they're keeping four. It doesn't really yeah. make sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me either. Um, Another thing that I wanted to point out, we had this conversation on your podcast, Too High, with – Deontay Lee, and Deontay brought up a point that made a lot of sense to me. So it was basically, you know, Alvin Kamara out of the backfield, you almost have to treat him like a slot receiver, right? So when Michael Thomas was there, not, well, okay, let's think about last year, right? You had Manny Sanders stretching the defense vertically, right? Jared Cook could do a lot of things athletically that could cause you matchup problems, right? Then if you put Michael Thomas in the slot, and Alvin Kamara was running routes out of the backfield. It's tough to rotate coverage to all those things, right? So now that like Alvin Kamara doesn't have that slot receiver opposite of him, you know, Michael Thomas being able to do a lot of the quick game stuff and, you know, Jerry Cook, what does that mean for like Alvin Kamara's production? Cuz I look at this offense and again, we just talked about the wide receivers. You're pretty high on Troutman. I don't I don't know if I see that with Troutman. Um I guess we'll see. I mean, he's a pretty young player. But What, like, what are the win conditions for this team? Because it's, to me, they have an advantage on the offensive line relative to the Packers' defensive line, at least their interior players, right? And then Alvin Kamara needs to get, like, four touchdowns. And I just don't know if teams are going to be treating him the same when Michael Thomas is an opposite of him. Yeah, I think it's going to be really hard. And I also say, like, there was something
2: about Breeze, especially as later in his career, getting a guy like Kamara, where I felt like he would almost bypass some of his reads knowing that he was going to get a one-on-one with Kamara on a check down.
1: I mean, it's not a bad plan. Right? And it's
2: like, (laughs) there it is. And let me get Kamara in space. I think of so many different plays over the past, right over the ball. You know what I mean? He's the check down, but really he's the first read because Breeze knows that you know, based on the pre-snap that everyone's going to get run off. And then here's Kamara. And it's like, that's not, <laughs> let me tell you something, that is not Jameis Winston's game. So there goes there goes a lot of touches, I think. That means you're going to have to start manufacturing touches for Avon Kamara, not just um, on screens and stuff, because you can't just count on um, uh, screens
1: going 70 yards. Screen, screens are sloppy plays, too. Like in terms of once you call it, like anything can really happen because defensive linemen, linebackers, they react to it at different times. It's not always what you look. It's what you want out of the look. It's a lot of I, I hope this goes right.
2: So it's like, well, then are we going to start scheming him more down the field? Like is that a winning, winning business model? Because you don't have a choice because you just don't feel like
1: you can scheme Well But then you're sucking your... five-man protection though, right? It's and a problem. The Packers are going to blitz. I mean, I, I think they're going to be I just talking about the Packers structure. Um, I have a big post that's ready to go about the Packers defense and their structure right now. I haven't hit publish because I want to see what it looks like week one before I pull the trigger on. This is what they were running in the preseason. I want to proclaim that I know what they're doing, right? But what they were doing in the preseason, I would be surprised if they weren't a top 10 team in base defense because of how they match up the personnel. If, if you bring you know two tight ends out or a tight end and a fullback out, they're pretty much going to play base. Um, that's kind of their game plan. And then they just blitz the hell out of it because they're going to play out of too high. So they're going to try to win a gap back with blitzes and stunts within the box. Um, and that allows their safeties to play outside of the box and fit the run alleys. The problem I see is if you really want to get the, the running back involved, you're putting all of that on the offensive line, which... You know, they, they have a solid offensive line, but also the quarterback to be able to see what the offensive line is, is letting free. You know, when they when you have to let a guy loose, can Jameis Winston see it? Um, and that's kind of the trade-off that you have if you're gonna try to do anything vertical with Camara. With
2: yeah, and 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 as I kind of mentioned before, like we still don't really know about the interior of the offensive line. Um, Armstead, Ramchick, solid, solid tackles, but I really Believe that even though they'll have like you know these like Saints Hall of Famers, um, you know, in the like the Saints Ring of Honor at guard throughout this Breeze tenure because they've had supposedly great guards and they have had great guards. I do believe that Breeze is the way he plays makes the guards look probably better. And, and I'm really not trying to like be like, hey, yeah, Jari Evans and Carl Nix were bad players, like, clearly they're good players. I'm not saying that. But I think, like, they kind of got into the situation where they could get rid of, like, a Larry Warford and bring in Cesar Ruiz and just be like, all right, well, it's okay because, we'll, you know, like, we're going to be fine. And, like, Andrew Peed, and they're going to pay Andrew Peed and be like, all right, well, we're going to be fine because Drew Ruiz is the quarterback. And it's like, is that going to be the case with a different quarterback? Um, I, you know, I, I still have high hopes for Ruiz, still a young kid. Eric McCoy at center is really good. Um Pete, Pete's a different story. <laughs> but like,
1: um, <laughs> let's talk about Pete because Pete, you know, first round pick, and then he got a big deal. And I think everyone, I, I think when people read that, right, and they say, "Oh, he was a first round pick," and the team wanted to keep him on the team, they assume that he's good. But I do have a lot of doubts about him specifically in pass pro.
2: I just, it's, you know, it's one thing when you have uh max Unger and larry warford you know at center guard and you still have arm armstead and ramchick so he's like one he's like a one bad piece out of five it, it, you know you live with it not the end of the world not everyone can have a you know five-star offensive line um mccoy is in his third year cesaree is going through his second year um you know armstead has had some injury problems So it's like, man, now it's like, you're not just the, 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 the black sheep out of a, out of other, like with four, four stars, with four stars next to you, you are one of, you know, three players in the, in the middle that might not be great, that makes it even worse. And he's just not, he's not great. Like, I don't know what to say. He's not a great, he's a good, at best, he's a good player. Um, At worst, he's a turnstile. So it's like, I don't know much. I don't know. They like him clearly. Maybe.
1: um, Well, he's he's good in the run game, right? And that's one of the things too. Like you talk about Walford and you talk about how Breeze can make some of these guys' inefficiencies kind of mask them, right? And it's because he gets the ball out so fast, right? So, okay, you're a good run blocker and I can get the ball out fast. Well, then pass protection play at guard doesn't really matter as much, right? So, It 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 does change a little bit. That's why I'm like wondering about the structure of this team because you're you you come into the podcast and you're like, Yeah, deep shots with Jameis Winston. I'm like, I don't know if they can do that. No, I agree
2: (laughs) with who. I just think
1: I just think they will be in a mold
2: that probably is similar to Tampa Bay in that it's gonna be like a vertical downhill rushing attack paired with that with a with a vertical play action game. Rather than them spreading out more, I think they'll try and do it to protect Jameis as much. And again, it's like, I don't know, we're going to see right away, like, who does Sean Payton want on the field? Like, does he want, uh, like, (laughs) again, because no Michael Thomas, it's like, who can, who does he trust to play on the field? He trusts Taysom Hill. I feel like he trusts Adam Troutman. Well, that that takes away a lot of what you want to do if you're going to have to play those two guys. Like, yeah. does he trust um, Ho- uh, Trayvon Smith to be the real number two receiver? I, I, I doubt it. But then it's like, who's left, man? Will well, Jordan Humphrey. Like, does he trust too. him? Like, he
1: played well, but like, I don't know. The other thing, too, is like Taysom Hill. All right, if Taysom's going to play fullback and Troutman is going to play tight end, there's not that many ways to get the running back involved in the passing game when you have a fullback out there. You know, unless it's just yeah. quick stuff, which, okay, you can run quick stuff. But if, you're, if your entire game is, we're going to be I-formation running quick game passes to Alvin Kamara, there's a lot better ways and a lot easier ways to win football games than that. Yeah, that, that's going to be really difficult on them.
2: And I also wonder, another thing that the Saints have been really good at is, um, I don't know how to say this, like, yes, I work for PFF, but... Um, kind of like going against the grain in a sense. And like, they'll run the ball on first down and they'll run the ball on second down. And what they've been really, really good at is not getting any negative plays. They're like number one every year in basically like percentage of runs that at least gain like one yard or something uh, in the run game on like first down and second down. So it's like, you can just play in that in that mold where... You can be in a third and five, third and six with Drew Brees, because he's Drew Brees, and it's like, you he's a, it's like we're talk, talking about one of the best quarterbacks of all time. So you can be in any down distance with him, but you can you can be in these like, quote unquote, manageable third downs, which as we've kind of begun to understand, don't actually exist. Like the only manageable third down is like third and one per the analytics, um, but you could do that. With a Hall of Fame quarterback. So now it's like, okay, well, you're going to run the ball on first down. uh, You're going to run the ball on second and 10, whatever it is. You're getting to third and seven, third and six with Jameis, who, let me tell you, is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like,
1: is that a a winning winning business? Jameis isn't going to try to throw for seven on a third and six either. You know, exactly. He's going to try to flip the field and it's going to flip the field one way or the other. You know, exactly. (laughs) This deep shot is going to lead to a punt, it's going to be an arm punt, or it's going to be a big catch. Right? so that'll be interesting um so this line is at four and a half right now right the game moved to Jacksonville obviously because of uh, the hurricane um, that's unfortunate for Saints fans I don't I, I, I know people in Louisiana right now a couple of them like just got power back so I, I I think Saints fans have a lot more things in mind than making this trip to Jacksonville right now I think it's gonna be a big Green Bay crowd um when I say four and a half, where, where does your mind go? Who are you taking?
2: Uh, you know, I think you still got to, that's nothing. Honestly, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think this Saints team. It's funny. I came into this when we started recording. I was like, I have no expectations. But in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, it could be like a 12-in team. And then going through the roster with you, it's, oh my God.
1: There's, a lot, holes, there's, yeah, a, there's a lot of there's holes, man. There's a lot of holes. And I I, I think... The fact that they're getting an offense that knows what they are, right? Going year three into this offense and a defense that you don't have much film on is going to hurt, right? I would love to play Carolina week one. That's what I'm saying. Oh, everyone would love to play
2: Carolina <laughs> week one. I mean, sandar I know, but there's, they're, in, they're in my division at least. Like At least like it, it could be. Um, yeah, the, four and a half seems very small. Uh I think they win I, – I would assume Green Bay wins by a couple touchdowns. I'm holding on hope, but I, I would assume that they, they win by a couple touchdowns or, like, 10 points or something like that. So so how um, does that
1: game play out in your mind? Like, I'm asking you for not, – not even just, like, an end result prediction. Like, coming into the game, first quarter, then what happens?
2: Well, I, I, I really believe – I like, really, really believe it plays out kind of like I was just saying, where they're going to try and run the ball early. And – it's not going to work. And then it's like, we're in a lot of third downs We're you, like you said, we're either punting or we're throwing an interception. And, you know, I love the Packers offense. We talked about it last week on, on, on my podcast. Like you said, the Packers offense is great. I, I did a lot of time studying. I probably studied the Packers offense more than I looked, re, you know, kind of rewatch the saints 2020 season. So like that offense is scary. It was great. It, it moved the ball, um, I don't remember how points, 30-plus points against uh, a complete Saints team last year, relatively. So I would imagine it happens again. And, yeah, it, I think what what scares me the most, like I like I said, is they're going to try and run the football, and it's not going to work, um, even with Kamara there. Maybe Kamara breaks a couple, but it's really, I, I, you know, overall it's just not going to work, and they're going to be giving the ball back to Green Bay way too much, and the Green Bay is going to build a pretty big lead early on.
1: One last thing, um, because I want to see what your perspective on this is, because I've never gotten a clear answer on it. We see offensive coordinators for big-time offenses move on to head coaching jobs all the time. And, you know, (laughs) Peyton Manning has gotten a lot of people jobs. Tom Brady has gotten a lot of people jobs. Even Aaron Rodgers has gotten people jobs, right? Pete Carmichael is just staying as the offensive coordinator for Sean Payton. And I understand like Pete Pete isn't uh calling plays, but like neither is Bienemy. And everyone talks about Bienemy every year, right? Um, what is the deal with Pete Carmichael? Is he just like uh the NFL's Brent Venables, where Venables is just the DC at Clemson and he's just like, yeah, no, this is a this is a cushy gig, dude. Like, I'm not going to leave it, and they pay me good money. Like, why would I ruin that by exposing myself to a head coaching job? It's it's pretty hard to do that. I have something nice here going on. How how do Saints fans think of Pete Carmichael, and have you guys gotten any indication on, like, why this guy hasn't gotten a job after being the OC for Sean Payton for, like, 10 years?
2: Uh, Man, I wish I could tell you. And the thing is, they've had OCs before Carmichael, and, you know, Joe Lombardi was
1: the OC. Or uh, he might not have been the OC now that I'm thinking about it. I think, I think he was, was quarter he was quarterback coach. coach, but I mean he got a lot of puff pieces written about him before he took a OC job somewhere else in in Detroit, and it wasn't very good, right? Um, and then
2: I guess before that was it, Doug Marone. That sounds I think right. Doug Marone yeah, he, was the OC the
1: Peyton guy because they're they're all Parcells dudes, right? Okay, yeah. Doug it's Marone, the same thing with yeah. uh, what's his name uh, Dan Campbell in uh, yep. in Detroit. He he was a Parcells guy. That's kind of like what this that tree is kind of breeded off. It's like Sean Payton and then the Belichick guys. Those are the parcel dudes still kicking around.
2: So I just wonder if Pete may, – maybe, like this, this is looking into his psyche that I don't know, but like maybe he just sees them go leave the Saints and it's not great. Obviously, we just saw Joe Brady do it and that was good. But maybe he just sees him and says, man, I don't want to go. Or maybe you're right and he just wants he wants to like draw up plays. Like, and honestly, like, um, I think you know this as well as I do. Like, some some people just want to draw up plays. I just want to draw up plays.
1: Brad Venables literally just wants to draw up plays. I mean, that, that's, that's well. full-time gigs for some of these teams. I yeah. mean, uh, like Andy Reid in Kansas City, a lot of his stuff was, um, damn, I'm spaces on, on his name, Brad Childress, who was yeah. there. And he was like, Spread game uh, analyst yeah. or something like that. Like his yeah. job is like eat eat film, find cool stuff, bring it to Andy Reid. Like <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. And then you see it um, in college football all the time too, with like saving and all these big SEC schools who can afford to pay former head coaches to like rehab their image and then also like give their families health insurance by giving them a gig instead of just taking buyout money. And they're they're keeping them as like analysts and their entire job like Sarkisian, right? For example, before. When Kiffin left, his job was just like watch film, dude, and tell us what you think. Yeah, and like in in college, like when you're an analyst, I don't I don't know
2: the rules exactly, but like you're literally like not allowed to talk to the players. Basically, you're, you're technically but you not stay. supposed to
1: be an on-field coach. When yeah, exactly. when Sarkeesian went on uh, the field for Alabama as their offensive coordinator, that was not the first time the Crimson Tide players had ever talked to uh, Steve <laughs> Sarkeesian. Like yeah. that, you're not supposed to, but like. Okay, who's watching? What is the enforcement yeah. arm? We, we've seen the the NCAA's enforcement arm recently. Doesn't seem very <laughs> powerful. It's very weak. Uh, it's not. It's, so yeah, it's maybe, not good unless yeah. you you have a snitch and documentation.
2: Yeah, I just wonder. Like, um, yeah, I just I, yeah. Anyways, getting back, I went. I, I looked at Brad Childress. His title was literally spread game analysis. Yeah, analyst. Yeah, like that's not that's not real. That's just fake. That's like, hey, like you said, go watch film and because I don't have time to watch uh you know App State or whoever or Arizona State or whatever. So you go do it and then be like, hey, this is a cool trick play that they ran. Like great. Thanks, Brad. I, I uh, think people would be that, surprised now looking at those Brad. type he's, of guys he's there on are the black involved. market preseason um tape guy. Uh yeah, there's a lot of those guys. And and but but uh, the thing is is like like uh, we believe that everybody just wants to be a head coach and i don't think that's necessarily true and carmichael might be a good example of someone who is like yeah i'm i'm good i, I don't i'm not in the news often um i have a great job and i just get to coach football and like
1: draw post routes and stuff and like that's fine <laughs> And, and I think people don't realize, like, how many decisions some of these guys have to make, too, in terms of, like, head coach and general manager. I saw even the slightest bit with the XFL. I know it's very different than the NFL structure. But, like, all the little decisions you have to do where you think you're taking a general manager job and you're like, yes, I finally get to pick the players. And then what actually happens is, like, people are asking you, like, constantly, like, what color of paint do you think that we should make this room? (laughs) You know, it's stuff like that where people, the, the bandwidth of people gets stretched so thin that you can't do some of the things that you actually wanted to do. And even in draft season, you see, I mean, it doesn't get reported. Right. But there's a lot of people who pay a lot of people to watch film for them. Like they're former head coaches who like, maybe, uh, this guy has a good quarterback background or a good offensive line background. And that's the guy that they pay to like, give, uh them a overview of like hey how good are these guys actually because the scouts really what their job is is intel it's not to break down film it's intel and to be troops on the ground and like hey what's really going on in this program and like is there something that we should be aware about you know and i I don't think people realize like how divorced some of these decisions are
2: it's funny you mentioned the scouts being like about intel I um and that's
1: obviously a hundred percent true. Now obviously you, you watch film, do whatever. Yeah, they they know like, they know ball, but that's not like that's Bill not like Belichick your, isn't making yeah. decisions off of what scouts think. That's not exactly.
2: what's happening. So like I, I I was in I was at Vanderbilt this summer, um just like kind of watching practice and stuff, and there was a scout from an NFL team, and he was just like, I was like, oh you know what's your schedule like? And he's like, yo, here at Vanderbilt today. You know tomorrow morning I'm at. Uh, East Tennessee, and then I'm at, or Eastern Kentucky, and then I'm at, you know, UT. And just like, did he watch practice? Nope. He was just like, let me get names. Let me get names. Let me talk to the people who are in charge of the kids. <laughs> let me get yeah, names. Find the snitch. That's my job. Because that's
1: what you need. Yeah. <laughs> you need the snitch for the intel, and you have yeah. to build relationships. It's, it's big time, like, it's a lot more like networking than it is in, in terms of the importance of it, right? and obviously teams structure it in different ways. Like the green Bay Packers very much are like our scout scout, right? Like that, that's kind of a big uh, part of their program. But for a lot of places around the league, it's a lot of networking. It's a lot of like rubbing elbows so that like when something does pop up and you could say, you know, Hey, what's really happening with like this Dwayne Haskins thing. You don't have Mm -hmm. to guess, right. You, You can get information on that. I remember so
2: like one my first year coaching college football. I it hit me, this is kind of going back to, to earlier what you were saying, but like I was like, oh, my head coach is an administrator. Like he was a defensive coordinator at the college level here, and like blah, blah, blah. And he was this really good coach and blah, blah, blah. And then he became a head coach. And it's like, well, you're not calling the defense anymore. Like you're just handling like you said like what color paint are we going to use in the bathrooms yeah. uh you know so so it's like yeah I, I saw that right away and was like oh this is very different and that also like w- when i see guys who like sean payton like um cal shanahan like uh, whoever else calling plays still um that's i have a lot of respect for that because i know how much time how time consuming from kind the of field. having two
1: jobs from the that, that's whole
2: yeah don't get me started on that like Calling, a, calling an offense from the field where um, that is a full-time job, but then you also have this other full-time job of being a head coach of a football, of an NFL team. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, th- those type of guys, that's where it gets into the like, yeah, football speaks to them type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> where it's like, yeah. yeah, they probably don't think about anything other than being a head coach and football field stuff. You know, where it's like, there's just not enough time in the world to be able to do those two gigs and then also have a life on top of that.
2: Um, yeah, thanks. Oh, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just say, and you're cramming that. It's not like, oh, well, it's a one-year thing. It's like, it's a five month. You're cramming a year's worth into five months during the season. It's tough. Anyways. Yes. Thank oh, you for I was just going to say, justice.
1: thanks for joining us. I know we, we went on a little rant at the end, but if you stuck <laughs> with us, uh, you probably enjoyed it, frankly. Um, Tell the people where they can find your work, Seth. Uh, PFF.com,
2: uh, PFF underscore Seth on Twitter, and the two High podcast with me and
1: Deontay Lee on uh, wherever you can find, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. And that's, that's great stuff too. If you really like like nerdy football stuff, uh, terminal football brain content, <laughs> it's it's very good because those two are very bright. And yeah, they're, they're, you're going to be hearing from them a long time. Like what? Deontay is going to be like an NFL DC in like five years? Well, that's what I was going to say. I'm still going to be a PFF. <laughs> And Deontay is going to be the
2: DC for like the Cleveland Browns or something. So that—that's don't put weird. that on him. He doesn't deserve that.
1: <laughs> He's got a kid, man. He has a family.
2: Yeah. He All did. right. <laughs> he, 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 yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, Ed. Good Goodbye.